0: I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. Welcome to Deep Cuts, a podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, outs, and nitty gritty so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is...
1: Henry Ford's Fordlandia.
0: What is Fordlandia? Well, Fordlandia was a short-lived experimentation by one of the leading captains of industry. It's a story that has intrigue, adventure faraway locales, and rubber? It's basically the story of how Henry Ford tried to game the system, build his own mini-nation state, and didn't put enough time or effort into any of it. And everything just ended up on fire. It's the soft Chiquita Banana sequel, baby! (laughs) Act one, a rabbi, a rabbi, and Henry Ford walk into a bar. Henry Ford was born July 30th, 1863, and died April 7th, 1947. He was an American industrialist, a business magnate, and the founder of the Ford Motor Company. He is arguably the father of modernity thanks to his simple idea of an assembly line. He is widely credited with being the first person to introduce an automobile that middle class Americans could afford.
1: So when you're sitting there and you're just doing a little task, a little repetitive task in some chain of events whatever it is whether you're building cars or even if you're working at a fast food restaurant and you're just sitting there and you're the one that just like shakes the fry like you pull the fries out of the fryer and you shake them to get the grease off and then you dump them into the thing and that's the thing you do all day and you're just completely removed from any uh feeling of satisfaction or fulfillment in the job that you do to make money, you have no ownership over the actual product that's being produced, you're just like a cog in a machine that is just responsible for one tiny thing so that you do not feel like you have any level of control or ownership. Or, or like satisfaction in the product being produced thank our boy henry ford
0: henry ford's model t arguably reshaped the american experience on a fundamental level he quickly became one of the richest and most famous people in the world the business paradigm fordism meaning a mass production of inexpensive goods coupled with high wages for workers is named after him because you see ford paid his workers enough money that they could all afford to buy the cars that they were assisting in making, something that truly changed generations of Americans' lives. Henry Ford was said to have had a global vision, one that saw consumerism as the key to international peace. His intense commitment to a systemically lowering costs ushered in many technical, business, and technological innovations, including the concept of franchising. Here's uh, a little photo, a little picky pick of Henry Ford. What does this guy look like? He looks
1: like he would be very uncomfortable walking to that bar with those two rabbis.
0: Touche. The perfect segue. It is a perfect segue, my guy. It's almost like we're reading off of a script and you know (laughs) what is coming next. (laughs) I would say that Henry Ford is a slight man, um, high cheekbones, wide set eyes, thin face, uh, graying hair, wearing a tailored suit. He looks affluent, looks very waspy. He looks very, um, someone who maybe hates Jews. Maybe. Sounds like a hell of, maybe. Sounds like a hell of a guy, right? Well, he did do all of those things and also was an avowed white supremacist and anti-Semite. He openly publicized the protocols of the elders of Zion through his newspaper, The Dearborn Independent, and through the book, the International Jew, a book published by his publishing company, Dearborn Publishing Company.
1: Yes, which was talked about in the QAnon series. It was briefly mentioned that literally a fictional text that was created uh, in Russia where they basically took a Russian writer, took a bunch of different random texts. Some of them were satirical. Some of them were real like opinions and mashed them together in what was like supposedly a collection of writings From the Jewish Illuminati, basically, that were, like, confessing all of their, like, Illuminati shadow crimes that they committed where they would kidnap children and drink their blood. And it was put together in this text that was supposed to be, like, a real pamphlet that had, like, smuggled out, like, text from, like, these secret Jewish organizations, but it was all fake. And he published that in a book.
0: Uh, this is a we're looking at an image now that's the the front of a week, uh, a, a newspaper called the Ford International Weekly, the Dearborn Independent, published in Dearborn, Michigan, May 22nd, 1920. You could buy a copy for five cents. And there's a massive headline that says the International Jew colon. The world's problem and uh, around this time in the 1920s, this was a this was a a very 1920.
1: Hmm. Sounds like that. That that date sounds like the time whenever there was a certain guy and he was like going into a beer hall and he was like rabble rousing and everyone kind of laughed at him and thought that he was just a goofy dude who was just like was never going to go anywhere. And then like like 20 years later, he just like murdered a bunch of these people.
0: Yeah. Uh. It, it, it. At. For. For cultural context, basically from like 1900 to like 1940, this was like a hotly contested, hotly contested kind of political talking point. The. The Jew problem in air quotes. That's literally what it was called. Um. It. it it's crazy. Like it's just fucking nuts. Yeah. It was. It was. It was not uncommon
1: at all during this time to just casually express like open anti-Semitism, like in public. In you know. In, in, in newspapers, in public speeches, in casual conversation, in, like, the policies of businesses.
0: So anyway, fuck that dude. But we're, gonna, we're, about, to, we're about to go into a, a whole mess of fuck Henry Ford. Listen, Henry Ford
1: might have been a horrible anti-Semite, but he's also a racist, uh, exploitative slumlord. So at least he's got that.
0: Look, Henry Ford might have been a raging anti-semite and a racist slumlord, but he also like uh kind of dumped like the equivalent of 3 billion dollars into ostensibly trying to make a puppet nation state uh, uh across the US border.
1: Listen, Henry Ford might have been an, a raging anti-semite. He might have been a racist exploitative slumlord, and he might have tried to establish a nation state and like basically enslave a population of people in central america to create rubber for him but he also literally fathered the system that has led to this late stage capitalistic hellhole that we currently live in
0: look all that stuff might be true and i could continue the bit and list everything but instead i'm just gonna put Insert, continue the bit and list all those things right here because I can't fucking remember all of them because he also like, you know, is responsible for Ford cars and they suck. <laughs>
1: There's there is a there is a type of listener who is out of all of those points. That is the only one that they will agree with. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like, wait a minute. They kind of had a point with that one, though. Found on road
0: dead. That's what I always say. <laughs> Found on road dead left of the American new dead again indigenous Americans. I don't know. I got I got I don't know how to turn Fordlandia into a an acronym. In the 1920s, the Ford Motor Company was looking to elude the British and Asian monopolies on the supply of rubber. They had a need for rubber because of the production of tires and also the belts and parts used in automobile manufacturing. And then it struck Ford. Why deal with the British when you could just go right to the source? Ford and company, after searching through South and Central America, settled on Brazil. They began negotiating with the Brazilian government in order to set up a sort of rubber plantation. However, the scope and scale of this operation quickly grew to something far grander in scale. An agreement was signed by the American industrialist in which he would receive 2.5 million acres of land called Boa Vista. In the agreement, Ford was exempt from taxes and was allowed to export goods free of charge and was only going to have to share 9% of the profits with the Brazilian government, 7% to the actual government and 2% to local municipalities. Work began on the project in earnest in 1926. However, it was not a smooth start. The company in charge of construction, christened Companhia Ford Industrial do Brasil, was hindered by poor logistics and planning, mudslides, and even widespread diseases that affected the workers. Malaria and yellow fever both ripped through the worker population like wildfire.
1: Listen, if, you're gonna, if you are going to move into a Central American company, cu- country and destabilize its government and population by creating a company town, mini nation-state corporation inside of it dedicated to stripping the land of its resources for uh capitalist consumer production to outsource back into the United States for the selling of products, at least do it right. Like the Chiquita Banana Company did not have these problems. They, their, their operation was, was legit. Like they had that issue where they were, they were kicked out of, uh, what, what was the country where they, um, Cuba, they had the issue in Cuba. But other than that, it was smooth sailing. Like they didn't have these issues. There was no sickness. There was no mudslides. Like they pillaged that land and exploited those workers efficiently. If you're going to do it, do it right. But,
0: that, but that's also because like, you know, they did like research. They had like scouting parties. They like bought land that was like applicable to the stuff they were trying to do. Henry Ford, like at this point, he was like, I am a god. I have changed everything. I am going to just will this into being.
1: Yeah, it really its like kind the of land. A, it's that Walt Disney, Elon Musk energy where you're just like, you're so high on your own supply that you're just like, I can do anything. Even if yeah, it like just the, like makes no lo- logical or logistical sense.
0: Yeah. Like the, the, the land that he bought from the Brazilian government, like wasn't good land to farm on. It was like Rocky. And like, I think it had like a bunch of clay in it. Like it wasn't good land, to, but he didn't care. It also wasn't near anything. It wasn't like a hub that had places, uh, you know, roads to it that you could get supplies to and from. It was like way out in the middle of the Amazon jungle. Like it was just like everything that would be working against you was working against you because he just didn't try. He was just kind of like, "Meh, it'll work out. I'm yeah. heading forward.
1: It's just like you're, you're like running exclusively on the fumes of your own arrogance. There's no actual like skill or talent or like business acumen going into it. You're just like, Oh, I had this, I had this great idea that just like kind of, it was, it was too big to fail. Like I've, I've just been like coasting off of this amazing idea I had that just worked, but I, I, I can't really replicate that, but I'm, I'm so full of myself because of this one huge success I had that like, I could
0: just sell people on things just by my arrogance. In cost-cutting efforts, no roads had been built. Thus, the only way in or out of the newly under construction town was by the Tapajos River. The site was being developed with the aim of it being a community with different areas of the city designated for Brazilian workers and for the American managers. So the American village was attempting to be built first. Typical houses were being built there, as well as a hospital, school, library, and hotel. Oh, and let's not forget about the swimming pool, playground, and golf course that were as well being built. Hell yeah. In 1928, the Ford Motor Company sent two merchant ships, the Lake Ormac and Lake Farg, loaded with equipment and furnishings to the construction site. The as-yet-unnamed town welcomed the two ships only to discover that a literal water tower was just one of the many delights that the aquatic vessels were bringing them and emblazoned on the water tower's front was the name of the new town Fordlandia. I mean it's that's
1: I mean I know it's the title of the episode and we set it up front but let's just talk about for a second how ridiculous that name is
0: <laughs> I love it I love it I love it so much I want to go live in Pricelandia Honestly any place Come on over Come on over, Davey. Come on over. <laughs> Honestly, just like any place with That's someone's spice, name?
1: Spicelandia.
0: Spicelandia. Sorry, my bad, my bad, my bad. I mean, I really do want to go live in Pricelandia. R.I.P. Papa Pricey. <laughs> I don't know if I can go on. You might have to take over the rest of the
1: episode. yeah yeah, I, I, I shouldn't
0: have said anything. I, I knew it would trigger you. Hold on, let me get these tears out of my beard. <laughs> it's- so
1: sad. I'm crying. Whenever you hear that sound, it's me crying.
0: Yeah, but it's it's amazing though. Like it's so good. Like I I I I kind of. It's it's exactly what we were talking about. at the, the opening, but, like the pure, undiluted, just jet fuel of ego is like amazing. It it's just amazing.
1: Yeah, just that, and that's that is just the perfect like symbol of it. It's called Fordlandia. Like it's already. It, you know, it's like it's like the, you know, Bioshock, the he, he names the town Rapture, which is like it's it, this this Randy and ideal of creating this alternate place where all of the issues like it's a, a, a libertarian utopia. And there's there's this arrogance in the idea of calling it Rapture, where it's like this. This is the ideal of the Rapture. This is the real heaven. I've created heaven for you. That concept uh, is just powerfully arrogant in and of itself. But he like in real life, like that's like that's a video game. And that's like, oh, this is like this. It's like a it's it's a portrait of a powerfully um, delusionally arrogant man who is just like mad with power. Uh, but it's a fictional game. Decades before that game was made, a real guy really did this. And not only that, but it wasn't called Rapture. It wasn't called Heaven 2. It was called His Name Land.
0: Ford-landia. Yeah, it's amazing. The town's purpose was simple. Mine rubber and ship it back to the States so that Ford could become the undisputed car manufacturing king. But an enterprise like this needs workers. Thus, recruitment offices were opened in the cities of Belem and Manaus. Recruiters promised good wages, food, and steady employment. People from all over answered the call. However, what the workers were greeted with upon arrival was anything but what they had been promised. The town had a strict set of rules imposed by its American managers. Alcohol, women, tobacco, and even football were all forbidden. Inspectors would go from house to house to check how organized the houses were. And to enforce these rules but where there's a will there's a way surprisingly many of these workers stayed and they got around the rules by having party boats stationed in the river offshore from fordlandia when ford's men tried to shut these down a small settlement was established on the island of the innocent with bars nightclubs and brothels i just love that (laughs) that's so cool i love that these guys they're like man i'm super broke I have a family. I need some money. I guess I'll take this job working for this crazy American industrialist. I'll go work out in the jungle. I'll, like, mine rubber for him from these rubber trees. It'll be a shit job, but, you know, whatever. I'll be there with some of my homies. We'll, we'll kick it.
1: But when that quitting bell rings and we're, we, we hang up our rubber shuckers for the night, we're not going to tate. We might bait, but ideally... We go over to the island of the innocent and we relate with a toot
0: that we date. I mean, I, I love, I love the idea that, that these dudes were just like, what? Henry Ford wants us to like, just hang out here and like be celibate or some shit. Fuck that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, let's, let's fucking party. Yeah. It's, it's fucking amazing. Cause I mean, cause that's, that's, we're early on in the story. I mean, there's worse stuff, but like so far, like that's the truly fucked up thing about it because Similar to the Chiquita banana, similar to all those fruit companies um, that we talked about or that was talked about in the Chiquita banana episode. Um, it's, it, it's tantamount to slavery because you go into this, this impoverished country where they don't have any jobs and the jobs that they do have are very low paying. And you're basically like, we'll pay you a little bit more. We're going to bring all these jobs and we're going to pay you a little bit more than the types of jobs that you can get. But if you want to work here like you have to just do what we tell you. You have to like be our servants. And that's the fucked up thing about it because like, you know, Henry Ford brings Ford Landia into into Brazil and he's just like, well, all of you, all these, all these other jobs suck and you guys are just all like in abject poverty. So I'm going to ration off some better jobs that pay more to some of you, but like you have to just you you can't do anything. You have to just live on, in this place, and you can't do anything fun. You have to live to the, by these strict uh, this this strict um, code of conduct. So yeah, it's like it's like indentured servitude in shades, almost in a way slavery. Um, and so, and, and the sad part about the Chiquita banana people is that they were just like, they were dependent on it. Like the whole country at at those, those entire countries, like a lot of central America became dependent on these companies and they really would bend over backwards to the point where like they were working with the American government to fund like military coups. And they were like assassinating people and massacring protesters in the names of these fruit companies, uh, which is obviously all super dark and horrible, um, but that makes it just so so much more awesome that these guys were like, fuck that.
0: Party boat, bitches. We've got some fucking steam. And we need to fucking release it. Toot toot. Bring, bring out the toots. Destination fuckville. Blah, blah. <laughs> Land ho. But ho spelled H-O-E. <laughs>
1: and Henry Ford is just like, he's just like... um. The beta house. He's, he's, the, he's the dean <laughs> yeah. from Animal House.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking Brazil. <laughs> You're all on double secret probation. <laughs> Things continued to grow harder and harder as the Ford representatives realized that they had made grave mistakes in how they'd planned the rubber trees. In the wild, rubber trees grow far apart from one another to protect against plagues and diseases. However, Ford representatives had put them together in large clumps of trees, in rows like a traditional farm. This caused tree blight, sava ants, lace bugs, and red spiders to run wild, which the workers were very upset by, understandably, as it made their jobs very hard, if not impossible
1: oops there goes another rubber tree oops there goes another rubber tree oops there goes another rubber tree plant
0: to make things even more difficult for the workers they were given hamburgers canned food and other americanisms that they were disgusted by fuck is this burger and can of slop like if you've never seen mac and cheese before it looks terrifying
1: yeah it's like a growing a glowing yellow pile of slime yeah like this is this what is this what made the ninja turtles
0: <laughs> they were forced to live in american style housing and they were made to wear id badges and work through the middle of the day despite rubber trees drying up by midday making their labor extra pointless the fuck is what the fuck is a keurig <laughs> well you want what tps reports what? <laughs> but the thing is, like, so the way the, the rubber trees work is that over over overnight, the rubber inside of a rubber tree kind of like goes down into the base. So you like put a little plug in and you can like drain the rubber from it. Right. But as the day goes on and the heat in Brazil gets hotter and hotter over the course of the day, by like about 1 p.m., the rubber inside of a rubber tree actually has like gone up into the stem. It's like gone up into the top part of the tree. So it's like almost impossible to get out. So a lot of rubber farmers, they work like these weird schedules of like, you know, 3 a.m. to like 9 a.m. because as the day goes on, it's just fucking pointless to try and get rubber out of these trees because as it gets hotter, the rubber solidifies or goes up into the top or whatever. And the industrial genius Henry Ford refused to listen to these guys. And so he made them work nine to five because that's what Americans work. Not realizing that when they were like, yeah, but we really need to work like 3 a.m. to like 9 a.m. He was like, no, no, you need to work nine to five because that's what we do. And he's like, yeah, but it, but the rubber trees is like, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Like, like we, we can't get the rubber out of the trees for like the majority of the day. We have to do it like at night into the early morning.
1: He was just, he was obsessed with this one idea he had and he just refused to budge on it. He's like, no, I created the assembly line and the nine to five work week. It's a great idea. I'm a fucking genius. It's the best idea anyone's ever had. And it's that's how it works. It's nine to five, just like the Queen Dolly Parton says. It's not it's not working
0: three, two, nine. That sounds like shit. Get back to work. In nineteen thirty, things reached a fever pitch when the workers of Henry Ford's capitalist utopia revolted. Fuck yeah. Act two, just eat three more cheeseburgers. You'll eventually like it. The average daily wage of a worker in the 1930s Brazil was 20 cents a day. Ford, wanting to guarantee he got the best workers and the best results for his money, offered his workers 40 cents a day. It's easy to see why you would initially sign up for old 40s dream home. Only problem was that crazy pants, puritanical restrictions on lifestyle, and the my way or the highway approach to the loving of American culture made everything a living hell. Yes, America had been a superpower for the last 200 years or so, but come on, the world was a very different place in 1930, and culture didn't spread as rapidly. Can you imagine showing up to a job and there's just like here is a cheeseburger, eat it while I watch you? It's a crazy idea.
1: Yeah, which is that's how we that's how we do it. It's like when we when we sit down and eat, it's like there's the there's the eater and then there's the watcher.
0: As Fordlandia grew and evolved, Ford's weirdo rules got even more weirdo. The Ford Motor Company insisted that all of the employees attend mandatory poetry readings. Mandatory poetry readings.
1: All right, guys, I know that you don't understand this. I know that this isn't, this is a little unconventional, but we're going to sit down and we're going to read the great works of Zhang Yang Gyatso. (laughs)
0: They also were forced to participate in sing-alongs in English. Many workers were killed during this time period by lethal insect bites. Oh, it's like they got—they were killed by the poems. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Captain, my Captain. (laughs)
1: Uh, uh, It's so trite. Uh.
0: Yeah, no, they—they basically like because they planted all these. I'm dubious of anybody who
1: calls themselves a poet. Uh.
0: (laughs) Because they, because they had all these lethal or because they had all these rubber trees planted so closely together. There were just like mega swarms of lethal insects who had all gotten like, you know, malaria (laughs) doused stingers and shit. And so all these people kept getting bug bites and dying from those bug bites.
1: Jesus. Like he just, he fucked this up.
0: Yeah. And the funny thing is like, not that I wanted this to be a success or anything, but like if he had just done like two or three things differently, it would have been a success. And his, Creptocrat, creptocrat, oh my god, leptocrat, capitalist bullshit. We're just stealing land from other countries and shit, and like making indentured servitude. Nation states would totally have worked if he just like put three percent more effort into it.
1: Yeah, and it it does it it does remind me. I, I I said obviously like it's not quite as bad, but it it does remind me of like some of the stuff like the recent stuff with Elon Musk, where it's just like oh you know we're trying to do these Neuralink things and like we're just killing all these monkeys and then we're going to build these tunnels underneath like the city where everyone can drive. But then like we come out with it and like, it's like a tunnel where like only one car can drive through it. And it's like a safety hazard because if your car breaks down, you'll just be stuck in there and you can only go like 20 miles an hour. And it, it just, it just has that same vibe to it of
0: just like, I don't know what I'm doing at all. 1930 saw the workers reaching their breaking points. They took over the town's cafeteria and ran the managers, and specifically the cook, out of Fordlandia. This became known as the breaking pans. In Portuguese, quebra Panales. The workers proceeded to cut telephone wires and lit sections of the town on fire. They kept the managers and the cook at bay for days, forcing them to live in the jungle until the Brazilian army arrived. Believe it or not, The fracas was settled by the Ford Motor Company agreeing to just have better food. All right, I get it. You don't like the burgers. I get it. Message
1: loud and clear.
0: Yeah, so what are your your demands? Our demands are we want, like, not McDonald's. No, but, like, really, what are your real demands? No, really, just, like, not McDouble's, please. Oh, you don't, like, want more money or, like, a brothel installed in the town? I mean, that'd be cool, but uh, mostly just not McDonald's.
1: But that doesn't make any sense. It's the Golden Arches. It's the happiest place t- to eat on Earth. It's any Anybody should be delighted to go to McDonald's. I remember when I was a kid, and anytime I would get in the car, and we would round that corner, and I would see those beautiful Golden Arches, I realized that this was going to be the one of the greatest days of my life. This
0: negotiation is over. You suck. I, the the brothel, uh, we could do that, though. You seem really stuck on this idea of a brothel. We have the Island of the Innocents. We're good on, on prostitutes. Thanks, though.
1: Are you sure, though? I mean, you have to, like, get in a boat and sail over there. Like, you don't want to just, like, you think it'd be cool if you could just, like, step out of your house and just, like, walk next door, just ride into a brothel? That doesn't sound, like, cool to you? This sounds like you might have a problem.
0: It's like more of a you thing than an us
1: thing. Real, I mean, seriously, like just the idea that like at any moment in any whim, there's nothing holding you back. You don't have there's no buffer between you and just stepping right into a brothel. You, you could you could you could do it as just as easy as like hopping down to the corner store. That doesn't sound that doesn't sound like the, like a dream
0: to you at all. I'm going to request a new negotiator. I feel like you need to seek help. Sex- sexaholics Anonymous is a thing, my friend. All right, well, uh I guess I'll go to McDonald's and then the, brothel. the Brazilian government grew suspicious of foreign investments around this time, particularly in the northern Amazon region, and offered Ford very little help in rehabilitating Fordlandia. It wasn't long before the numerous problems cascaded, making the situation financially untenable. The decision was made to shutter Fordlandia in 1934. Ford quickly tried again, however, with a new town about 40 kilometers downstream, the town of Belterra. <laughs> right? Belterra? Yeah, but he's yeah, he's just like... He's like, this town will be called
1: Fordlandia after my vision. Cut to a couple of years later. Well, that that was that was terrible. That that did not go well. All right, Mr. Ford, um, we set up the perimeter for your new town. What do we what are we gonna call this one? Like Ford Ford
0: Zone, Henryton? It's like, uh, let's keep my name off of this one. <laughs> By 1945, synthetic rubber had been developed, and the South Asian and English chokeholds were waning. Ford's opportunities dried up, and the idea of creating new rubber based cities in South and Central America were abandoned. In 1945, Henry Ford Jr. sold the land back to the Brazilian government for a loss of over $20 million, roughly $288 million today. The whole project cost Ford roughly $3 Three billion dollars in today's money. How did Henry Ford deal with all of this? You love to see it. How did Henry Ford deal with all of this? Well, he proclaimed the whole project a massive success. He repeatedly said it was one of the greatest successes of his career, which is wild because no piece of rubber from Fordlandia was ever used in a Ford motor vehicle, and Henry Ford himself never went to Fordlandia. I mean, that's that's what you got to do. That's that's the move. You just just
1: deny, just, just be like, no, that wasn't a horrible failure. And it just like was a terrible thing in every regard. And just at every step of the way, just went terribly for me and it just never produced any kind of like useful result. And it was also just horribly exploitative and shitty. Uh, it was great. It was, it was the, it was the best decision I've ever made. I won up myself
0: for sure. Yeah. You know, I've, I've uh, been thinking a lot. Thank you for asking that question about what I think my greatest successes of my career are. You know, I could have named the uh, the awareness that I've brought to the whole Jew problem. Uh, I could name um, my innovations on the uh, assembly line. Uh, I could name my antipathy towards unionization and my union-busting techniques, which are... Um, being hailed as truly some of the greatest ever put forward. But I really think that my greatest success with Fordlandia, you know, uh, it was uh, it was a chill place, safe for families, and um, it was really cool. I think it was a great thing. Really glad I did it.
1: Yep, totally total success. Went went great. Uh, there was this. There was a there was one tiny problem where there was this one guy who just kept trying to get a brothel built in it. But other than that. It, it gangbusters, gangbusters. who are you gonna call gangbusters, which is how Fordlandia went,
0: yeah, you know, I just uh, I feel like I helped bring American culture to Brazil. I feel like there are Brazilians who are now just really um, you know, they've really got a grasp of the American dream and they're gonna work hard. and um, you know, I paid them really well, forty cents a day. It's pretty good, you know?
1: As I was leaving Fordlandia, which I definitely went to and was there frequently because, of course, why would you not go to your greatest creation? But as I was leaving, the Brazilian people said to me, they said, thank you, not only for Fordlandia, but also for introducing us to our new main staple cuisine, the Big Mac.
0: Yeah, Uh it's really dark. And it's, it's also really funny to me that this person can spend $3 billion and not go down there once. That's hilarious. Like, I don't, I mean, I guess the world was different in 1920 and it was a lot more difficult to get to Brazil. But even so, I feel like if I made a town, I would want to go to it at least once.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's named after you and you're not going to be like, I'm going to check out Fordlandia.
0: Like if there was Bakelandia or Davyton... Bro, I would have been there day one. I would have been like Davyton. I'm going to the We're grand opening of this shit. We're going to fucking party tonight, bro.
1: Oh, I got to be honest. I'd, I'd rather go to the Island of the Innocent, which is literally just like the misfit island from Pinocchio.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong, but still you could kill two birds with one stone. Go to Davyton. You could relate sail to-, to- Sail down the water.
1: You could relate to toots with one uh, bone. It'll cost you twice as much, but
0: yes, you can.
1: <laughs> and that service is available on the island of the innocent. Yeah, I I and, love it. And the and the soon to be coming Fordlandia chapter of the brothel right outside <laughs> your door. <laughs>
0: I love it, man. I love I love everything about this. I love the I love the weird I love the weird megalomaniacal impulses of late stage businessmen. I love weird doomed art projects, which this isn't quite that because people are like actively getting hurt and dying. But if you think of it as a weird performance art piece, it makes it even funnier.
1: Yeah, and the and the and the good thing about the story is like it's still dark, but like, you know, the Chiquita Banana story is like a it's like a full dark cuts. It's like this is this is just an awful blight in our history. This this is something that people not a lot of people know about. And when you do learn about it, you're just like, book, like this is dark. And this is almost like the good version of the story where it's like it's like the comedy of errors version where somebody tried to do that and then they just like failed horribly and the employees just like said, fuck you and just like partied on a boat and like everything that could have went wrong went wrong for them. And it's still dark because people did die. But like in the macro scale, this was like an attempt at uh, imperialist industrialization and the like exploitation and uh, destabilization of a Central American country, but just like they just epic. He epically failed in like a hilarious way. That's like very, very satisfying. And that, and and this is the opposite of it where it's like, people don't know about the Chiquita banana thing because it's so dark that that company has like gone way out of their way to hide this and like spread propaganda that conceals it. And people don't know about this story because Henry Ford went way out of his way to hide this horrible, embarrassing, humiliating failure that he, that he did.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's the banana, banana pratfall of capitalist, industrialist megalomaniacs.
1: Yeah. He, he slipped on the banana Republic. <laughs> oh,
0: oh, 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 oh. <laughs> It just is a bummer that some people had to fucking die of, like, malaria and shit because this fucker couldn't, like, do enough research to, like, know that you're not supposed to put rubber trees next to each other. Like, you know, like...
1: Do your own research, Henry Ford. Google's free. Google is your friend.
0: fucking morons um did you know you knew about this story prior to us doing this episode right
1: totally yeah i mean i i knew about it before and also it was it was in the research uh that (laughs) andrew let me read for um for the chiquita banana story uh story it was it wasn't it it was kind of a it was a no no actually that's not true it was it was in the research for the Disney World story because um, well Disney was inspired by Company Towns and there was a part of that episode that went into Company Towns and the brief history of Company Towns. So the, the, there's a mention of Fordlandia uh, in the Disney World episode uh, during a part where it kind of explores Company Towns. And then I think it also is mentioned in the Chiquita Banana episode as well.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't like Henry Ford. That's my that's my closing thoughts is I don't like Henry Ford.
1: Yeah. I mean, of course, because his cars are so bad. That's why.
0: One hundred percent. Yes. Spandrew, what are your closing thoughts about Henry Ford slash Fordlandia?
1: Yeah, I think it's 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 interesting because it's like there's there you 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 want to grasp at something there with what you were talking about of like this failed obsess obsession or whatever. But it's not quite that, though. Like, it almost, it's it's like, there's something there where you're like, it's called Fordlandia. It's this ode to, like, pure arrogance. There's something interesting about that. But on the other hand, it just feels like, it, it feels like how that movie Chronicle came out, and people liked it. And then Max Landis was like, I'm the shit. I wrote this fucking movie, and everybody loves it. And then he just, like for the next 10 years just wrote absolute garbage and just coasted off of this, this arrogance of this one thing he did that was successful. And like, you look back on it and you're like, he, he made like 10 movies and they're all terrible, but somehow he just kept making movies. And the only thing that stopped his career was unrelated. It was, it was, it was a different thing that was not involved. It was not related to the horrible movies and the fact that none of the movies he ever made like were successful. But somehow he just kept pushing on until he was outed for sexual assault, which is almost like it's almost like that's what it took. It took like that extreme thing to get you to stop making movies, these horrible movies that nobody goes to see. And it it reminds me of that where it's just like it's not even like an obsession or like it's just like it was done flippantly. He was so just like arrogant and thought he was the absolute shit that he just thought he could crap out ideas and they would be gold. And so he was like, yeah, make a, make a, make a, make a town, call it Fordlandia. It's going to be great. And they're like, oh, that, that's interesting. Like you have this grand vision. He's like, no, just make a town, make a town. They're like, uh, okay, sir. But no, make a town. Get out of my office right now. Make a town. Don't say anything else to me. Stop talking to me. Go make a town. I have to eat this, this, this luxurious prime rib steak filled with butter, which is a which was a common meal of amongst robber barons in this time period. And, he, and yeah, so, and he like, it, it's like late lazy. It's like pure, the pure laziness of a narcissist. And he just threw money at something without like trying. So it doesn't quite hit that bell of like this interesting obsession, somebody getting lost in the house, so to speak. He was like, he wasn't in the house. He was like, he was out of the house. He was like in the house next door. And he was just like calling and being like, Are you are you lost in the house? All right. Well, I'll be here. I'm not going to go over, but, you know, keep getting lost in the house and I'm just going to be here watching TV. All right. Love you. Bye. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why you said
0: that. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, though. If it had like like even five percent of the maniacal ego that usually is associated with stuff like this, it would be a much more interesting story but it has this weird sloth-laden ego. It's like, I really want a monopoly, but I don't really want to work that hard for it, so make me a town.
1: Make a town. Just, yes,
0: can, so- you just, can, you just, can you just make a town for me? Can you just make me a town? I know you're looking at me weird right now, but I am still close Okay. Just... <laughs> make me a town, okay? Just, I know you're leaving it because you just hear about this. I'm gonna remember this in the morning. I'm gonna ask you to
1: make me a town. He just sounds like Woodrow Wilson. Just all, all, all anti Semites are just perpetually drunk. <laughs> just make me a town, okay? But yeah, so, so in a, in a way. I'm kind of I'm kind of just putting this I'm kind of piecing this together right now, but in a way, this is like this is the exact opposite of a typical deep cut story because whether it's Henry Darger or Laz Rojas or even Walt Disney or um, a lot of these figures we talk about we 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 tend to talk about this idea and it's you know sometimes these people are are not great people sometimes they are misunderstood people. Sometimes they are more powerful and rich and famous and they see some much more success from the things that they do. Sometimes they see no success or recognition and they die in obscurity. But regardless of where it falls in that spectrum, we tend to focus on these stories with this general arc of like, I have, I become obsessed with this vision, with this goal. And I, I, um, I strive for it to whatever to 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 an obsessive degree that becomes potentially self-destructive. And I I I dedicate my entire life to chasing this goal or this dream or this vision, Um, whatever that could be, whether it's building a, a city of the future or writing this epic novel Or like embodying this persona and tricking people into thinking that you are some like multi personality thing and dedicating like 10 years of your life to keeping up the kayfabe or whatever the thing is, we tend to talk about this specific type of arc. And this is like the exact opposite of it, where it's like somebody is punished for their laziness and their lack of commitment in a very satisfying way. I don't think it always happens that way and there are certainly so many examples of people who just like fail upward and just get away with being lazy uh and are successful and don't face negative repercussions for it. But at least in this one situation this guy tried to pull off some big epic shit without putting any effort into it and it blew up miserably in his face and it's and it's validating to anybody who knows like what it takes what kind of work it takes to put into something to build something great it's just very validating to see somebody be like yeah I'm a fucking genius I'm great like whatever I do is amazing so like here's 2 billion dollars and just make a town and we're going to fucking take over the world and everyone's going to love it. And then it just fails miserably because they just don't try. And it's just insanely validating to all the people who have gotten obsessed with something and like poured their lives into it to a potentially self-destructive or unhealthy degree. And they stuck with it until they finally accomplished the thing that they were going for. And whether it got recognition or not, they did it. And it's there and it's concrete and it's great. And it has their entire soul in it and it's just validating to see somebody be like make a town oh shit they don't like mcdonald's oh fuck <laughs> make
0: a fucking town make a fucking town man make a fucking town bro could you just make a fucking town already man
1: henry ford was just like a a jersey shore bro
0: right Jim, 10 make a town okay <laughs> henry ford was the the situation Of business magnates. Indeed he was. I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. This has been Deep Cuts. You can find me on the internet at heydavebaker.com. Spandrew. Where can people find you on the internet?
1: You can find me on the island of the innocent. Going to town. Getting my shit on. Unwinding after a hard day's labor. Siphoning rubber out of a tree. and Dodging the attacks of venomous bugs and having to stuff quarter pounders with cheese down my throat. And you can't find me on the internet because I'm not not on social media, but if you want to pay your respects to the dear, sweet Papa Pricey, you can go to his website, dapricerights.com, where you can get his comic, Deadbolt AI Private Eye. You can also follow us on social media. Go to Facebook, Deep Cuts Podcast. You can join our Facebook group, the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group, where we talk about the show and other stuff like movies and TV and make memes. You can follow, you can join our... Discord server, bit.ly.com slash slash deep cuts discord, where we always also talk about the show and make memes and talk about movies and TV and all kinds of other random stuff. You can follow us on Instagram at Deep Cuts Pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Mystery Treehouse. You can get merch for the show by going to deepcutspod.com and clicking on the shop or by going to bit.ly.com slash deep merch where you can get t-shirts and other stuff with our designs on them and you can you can you can fucking uh come to dave landia our our new our new town